Hello, everybody, and welcome into the second episode of Fourth and Goal, the new Sacramento State football-centric podcast on StateHornet.com. I'm your podcast editor, Matt Irvin III, and I'm joined once again by... This is Brandon Bailey. Y'all know who it is by now, the football beat writer. And y'all know what we're here for, man. We're here to just give you the latest and greatest about Sac State, preview for this week, and a recap of what was going on last week. And yeah, let's get it going, man. Yeah, let's dive right into the review. Now, you said in the last episode that this game against Northern Arizona was going to be kind of close, and you couldn't have been more wrong (laughs) (laughs) with how close it was going to be. It was Sac State's second shutout in school history as they routed the Lumberjacks 44-0. to I mean, let's be honest, this game was over before halftime. (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at the play-by-play right now. And let me just read it off to you how this game was going. So Sac State fumbles at first on the one-yard line. Astro here, he tried to dive in, fumbled in the end zone, touchback, punt. So then this is where it gets ugly. <laughs> Field goal, Sac State, Northern Arizona, punt, touchdown, Sac State, punt, touchdown, Sac State, punt, touchdown, interception thrown, Northern <laughs> Arizona, touchdown, punt, interception, and Sac State didn't punt the ball until – the beginning of the third quarter man i felt so bad for northern arizona's punter because he was just going out there trying his hardest and his <laughs> offense could not generate anything i mean look last week like you said man i'm thinking it's gonna be a close game but that just proves you just don't always go off the stats because you know they were putting up like 50 over 50 i think they put up 59 in their game before sac state yep and now you see those stats just don't translate, and Sac State just dominated them. Yeah, they put up 59 against Southern Utah, and then they put up 48 against Idaho State, and that was just the last two weeks before Sac State. To come to Hornet Stadium and to put up zero? <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Do you think, just from the outside looking in, you were out the game, do you think where was it a testament to just how good Sac State is or just how bad Northern Arizona was? Yes. I think the answer is both. This, it, I mean, that was the best performance I've seen from Sac State since, you know, the first game of the 2019 season when they completely shut down Southern Oregon, I believe it was, 77-19. Yeah. The, like, I haven't seen this, such a dominant performance uh, over a game that you and I expected to be close. It's not like Northern Arizona is a pushover team, but, I mean – 34 points in the second quarter it was 37 to 0 at halftime and let's be honest it should have been 51 because yeah. as you mentioned asher fumbled on the one yard line into the end zone and that was a touchback they also threw an interception right at the end of the first half yep then so that should have been two more touchdowns right there we right. could we could have dropped 80 on him if we wanted to but i think we kind of eased off i mean it was it was at the point i'm in the press box just looking and it was like sack state was just doing whatever they wanted to do offensively it was like if they wanted to throw it, they were going to throw it, and it was going to get completed. And if they wanted to run it, they was going to run it. But I want to get back to the running game because Sac State just continues to show, like, how deep they are in depth. I mean, in the first episode, we were talking about how good BJ and Marcus Fulcher was, even with the departure of, you know, Dotson. And then now you get a freshman in Scatterboo, in Cameron Scatterboo, and, I mean, he comes out, he comes in and gives you 10 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. So it only adds to their depth, and it's like, wow, like who who else is going to come and show out? Like, you know, they got four freshmen that just came in this year and impacted immediately. 
So it's like it's getting to the point where every week we're seeing a new guy just come in and just they're really showing the next man up mentality, you know, they're just coming in and doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I remember I actually covered Cameron Scadaboo once when I was working with the B at a high school game. And, you know, Joe Davidson, you all know him, the legendary Sacramento football reporter. He told me how good he was and I saw at first person how good he was. So when I saw that he signed with Sac State, I was like, that could be exciting. You know, him. Dotson back when he was around, yeah. Perkinson, now you have Fulcher in the mix too. That's a nice little running back group they have there. Can't forget Asher O'Hare too. Right, he still had, he still led the team. He still had 12 carries officially <laughs> for 34 yards. Right. But, I mean, yeah, it just showed, goes to show how deep their running back depth is and kind of the job that they've done recruiting local talent here in yeah. Sacramento, which I know is something that Troy Taylor said he wanted to do more of. I mean, I can't blame him though. I mean, Right now, if you're someone in high school and you just you're looking into a school and you come to a school like Sac State, it's like, oh, wow, they're winning. I get to play, you know, as a freshman. I'm legitimately contributing like I'm going to have that opportunity. And I mean, uh, you can't really blame a young guy for one for, you know, wanting to pursue that. So Sac State put up six hundred and fifty six yards of total offense. Northern Arizona, I'm actually surprised they had this many. They had 11 first downs in the game. I don't remember a lot of them, but I'm pretty sure that was after, you know, we had stopped kind of paying super in-depth attention in the game because kind of spaced out there in the second half. There wasn't much going on down on the field as far as production was concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was more of a testament to, like, how Sac State's defense been since the start of Big Sky play. I mean, you they went against Montana, and there was a couple of times where Montana, where they were driving, and they got in the red zone, but they didn't break. You know, it was a bend but don't break mentality. Same thing with Northern Arizona. There was a few times where they were moving the ball down the field, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, when it came down to it and the, the corners clamped down and, you know, the linebackers just fitting in the right gap and making tackles, it's nothing you can do as an offense, you know? Mm-hmm. I think what really killed Northern Arizona was when they missed that field goal. Yeah. Like, that's a confidence killer right there. Like, once they missed that, it was like they tried to go for it a couple of times late in the red zone. It was like they just couldn't get it in. So, mm-hmm. it was more. that's why I think it was more of a testament to how good Sac State defense was than it was how hot Northern Arizona's offense was coming in. Because, I mean, they just they just simmered that offense down. <laughs> I didn't even notice this until I looked at the stat sheet. But look at how efficient we were in the passing game. Jake Dunaway, 21 completions out of 25 attempts, 328 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Astro O'Hara, 5 of 7 for 82 yards and a touchdown. That means out of 32 passes, only six were incomplete. That's fantastic for any offense. I mean, that that's a testament to why Jake was named Big Sky Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. Congratulations <laughs> I mean, to him. Yeah, congratulations to him for that. But, I mean, it's it's kind of – I feel like for Jake and Asher, I wouldn't say it's, like, easy. But I think Coach Taylor makes it easy to them because the game plan, it fits them. When Jake comes in, it's, you know – it's kind of more pass-heavy, but you have all those weapons out there like the Marshall Martins who have five catches for 117 yards. And the young freshmen again. I mean, Jared Gibson, he had three catches, but he had 61 yards, and Chris Miller had a 43-yard touchdown. So, I mean, when you have all those weapons in there and then you got Asher in there coming in to run the ball, and it's like they can't stop that. It's like, what are you, what can you do? Right. And what what's, the, what's going on with that, man? It's like teams like you know – I'm not going to say you know what Sac State's doing, but – when Asher comes in the game, nine times out of ten, he's running the ball. So it's like, 
why is it so hard to stop it? I think, is it the athleticism? Is it the, you know? I don't know. It's, it feels like one of those things, like, you should know, like, as an opposing coach. Like, I know we see it at the NFL level. If certain guys are playing or if certain guys are in, like, if Taysom Hill's in for the Saints, the playbook's wide open. Yeah. But, I mean, for if, if you're going up against, like, the Seahawks, which, unfortunately, your man was at the game in Seattle. <laughs> If, if you're going up against Geno Smith, you know more than likely they're probably going to want to run the ball first. Yeah. You would think the opposing teams would know how to fight Asher and Jake, but they don't. But maybe it is kind of a wild card type of thing because, like you said, I mean, there was only six missed completions, and Asher was five of seven. So it's like he gets in, it's like, all right, we know he's going to run, but then it's like, okay, then he goes throws through those RPOs where he can pull it. And, you know, throw it to Marshall Martin or, you know, any receiver out there. So, I guess that makes it tricky. But it's that's that's that Troy Taylor offense, you know. Mm-hmm. Unprecedented, but it works. Yeah. It works. And that work has put them in second place in the Big Sky standings. They're only behind Montana State, who have played one more conference game. Montana State's 5-0 and in the conference. Sac State is 4-0. Everybody else has lost at least once. So, I would say that puts them in pretty good shape for a possible playoff run here maybe another big sky title even. i mean it puts them in the driver's seat for sure montana state faces a good eastern washington team who just lost it weaver state in a close one but they're still a you know incredible team i mean last week we were just talking about how their quarterback threw for 700 yards and six touchdowns so that's going to be an interesting game to watch especially with the um opportunity sack state has this weekend if they go on and win and you know if montana state loses it's kind of like a I'm not going to say a free ride to the Big Sky title, but really their only contender going forward is that big game against UC Davis, the mm-hmm. Causeway Classic. And this is this week they're on the road. They're at Northern Colorado, and this is their last away game outside of California because after that they have two whole games against Cal Poly and Portland State, and then, of course, the Causeway Classic at Davis. Not a far drive, but it's still an away game. Right. So what's your feeling going into this Northern Colorado game? We're just coming off of uh, – massive win like a shutout win that's so rare for any program to put together a shutout win so what's the momentum like going into Greeley look I don't want to make the mistake you guys made last week and go <laughs> off the stats I mean you got some big names in this game from Sac State's players like Jake and Asheville here and then on Northern Colorado's side they got you got Dylan McCaffrey in there Christian McCaffrey's brother a running back for the um, Panthers in the NFL right now so it should be a um it should be an interesting game, but I I really see Sac State continuing to dominate. I think right now they're they're locked in. It's on both ends of the ball. You know, it's hard to do that, especially in the big sky where everybody is a um, spread offense and they like to score. But you've seen last week where they can really clamp down, especially in situations where in the, where they're in the red zone and have to, you know, force a stop. So I see it being a another blowout victory. I know you said you don't like going off stats, but I just want to. I'm just looking back <laughs> in their history to see how their last games have gone. They have not put up more than 17 points in a game since September 11th, and that was against Houston Baptist. They lost three in a row to Montana State, 40 to seven. They lost to Eastern Washington, 63 to 17. They lost to Davis, 32 to three, before finally getting back to winning ways last week against Southern Utah. And they only won that game 17-9. So I'm feeling a little bit more confident in Sac State's abilities, <laughs> yeah. especially after this week. I think this is a winnable game for them. 
And, you know, if they keep the mistakes down to a minimum, if they keep playing the kind of football that they've been playing, they should really come out on top of the win here and put themselves in great position. I mean, if you go into that last game against Davis with zero conference losses, that's a fantastic position to be in. And yeah. I hope that the rankings are taking that into account because I know we have been receiving a whole lot of love in the rankings. Like we only just got ranked before the game against Northern Arizona. so Yeah, and I was going to ask, man, so if you could go back, you covered the team in 2019, and you were coming into this year, did you see Sac State playing like this or, you know, in the foreseeable future, did you see them having a chance at another Big Sky title or a potential playoff run? That's such a tricky question because, you know, the team that I covered, some of them are no longer there. Like, mm-hmm. if you had asked me if in 2020 – would they have contended for another Big Sky title? My answer would have been absolutely because mm-hmm. they had so many people that were, you know, going to come back. But, you know, I wasn't sure going into the season. I wasn't sure how, what the turnover was going to be like, you know, what kind of off season they had put together, you know, getting all the guys training. But And I was a little shaky in the first couple weeks, too, after those first two losses. You know, I know Cal's a D1 school, but still, you know, it still hurts to lose those games. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, these last couple of weeks have really kind of restored my confidence in them to about 2019 levels. And I think they're kind of on the path to mirror that run of games that got them into the playoff conversation. You see, right now in the stats, FCS 25, Sac State's currently ranked 15th. The big sky schools that are ahead of them, you got Montana State at 6, Eastern Washington at 7, UC Davis is at 9, Montana's at 11. Hmm. So that puts uh, we're the 5th. Big Sky team in that top 25. So, I mean, I think it's absolutely possible that they go on. And if they beat Davis, more in the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of these games play out, especially this week's game and um, that game against Davis. I think Davis is really their biggest competitor going forward. I mean, you can't – it's the Big Sky, like we've said before, where you can't necessarily come into a game and underestimate any team. Because just like any given Sunday, it's any given Saturday in college. And, yeah. you know, anything can happen. But as of right now, the way they're rolling, Davis is going to be their biggest competition. And Sac State finally broke into the top 25 in the in the FCS coaches poll. They're now tied at 23rd, along with Weber State. So, back into both rankings. Yeah. So, I think safe it's safe to say that we was a, or they were a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of what the pollsters were thinking is a lot what I was, you know. They didn't have anything to rank them on in the fall and spring season. Yeah. So how can we realistically put them in the rankings above all these teams that have actually played games together? Yeah. But, I mean, these performances, they kind of speak for themselves, don't they? Definitely. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Fourth and Goal. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Those will be in the show notes below. Thank you for watching this episode. We'll see you next week. Yeah.